0: Ask not what your country can do for you,
1: ask what you can do for your
2: country. Watch you up, boy. I did not have sexual relations with that woman.
1: Boom, these explosions of bullshit. You're going to be the next president of the United States.
2: <laughs> National team. National. National team. National. Does the audio like that? Does that sound good? Oh, national, national team. First episode, let's go. Hey everyone, <laughs> um, I'm Juliana Payne, I am a, I'm the project manager of Bipartisan, I am a co-host of my two beautiful co-hosts here, we only hire beautiful people, and I'm a comm student, I love business, what? 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 what finance, it? marketing, money, being really personable and charismatic, and... Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, moving on. My moving name on. is Lily Bass.
1: I am a second year at this gorgeous institution called the University of Virginia. Yes. I'm planning on studying politics, perhaps English, perhaps philosophy. I don't know. You Please don't talk to me about, about okay. it.
2: Okay, what are you
1: doing with um, degree? What are you going to do? With it? I don't know, I don't know, I don't <laughs> That's weird. Probably just keep doing this for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> we're going to get famous. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Next co-host, all yeah. co-host. New baby co-host.
3: Well, you know what? Hi, I'm Jared okay. Cooper, and I'm a fourth year. They keep me around in this podcast every now and then, because they need- He's the beauty. Need,
2: He's the grace.
3: They, they need- They need He's some, Mr. Jared. Beauty okay Oh. And I do what I can do, but I'm a government major, and
1: I think public service is the most wonderful thing in the world. It's right up there next to rainbows, and- Bill Gates' supporter here. No, no, no,
3: no. No, <laughs> no but- <laughs> And I want to general
1: for its face. General, General President
3: force. No, Nixon, Ford, JFK, Nixon, anyway, yeah, government, good, politics, great.
2: Well, today we'll be talking about uh, the viability of a third party. You know, a lot of people say they love third party. You talk to any student, they say, I hate the I'm two-party system. I'm, I'm independent. Well, it's not necessarily they're independent. They just say, I don't like what we have going
1: right. on. I don't know who to vote for. I don't know what to do. What? Let oh. us introduce to you the new independent character.
3: It. rfk, RFK jr that sounded
1: good that did sound good all good. right but that's not what we're talking about yet we're talking about the viability of the third party <sighs> yeah
2: we're gonna go into this guys um all right so let's 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 dive right into this we're gonna bring you education we're gonna bring you facts we're gonna bring you a uh, beauty beautiful conversation okay let's talk about the rise of the third party yes um, this has been, you know, a consistent pattern for years. Uh, even back into the 90s, there's been people who are independents. That's been a trend that hasn't been going away. Like, that's only been rising. However, the only time that kind of fizzled out was in the 2012 re- election, where nearly Republicans, Democrats, and independents were all at the same number. But ever since then, independents have skyrocketed. We've seen a, a crazy growth with that. And it's so interesting, we were supplied some quotes by our researchers, but the funny thing is is that the word independent seems so American. Because it sounds so liber- it's liberating, it sounds so free-thinking, I'm so American, I'm so independent, I'm not influenced by independent these... Country, independent, independent
1: country, independent people. Yeah. But then also, it's like when I think about the independent party, when I was growing up, I heard a lot of waste of a vote and irrelevant and mm-hmm. throwaway. And so it's interesting to hear that people when they hear independent are thinking liberty and freedom because Give me liberty or give me death. Yeah. That's a bar. That's a great bar. Yeah, but the American people seem to say they don't know who to vote for and mm-hmm. they're independent and then they always end up huddling in their little sides.
2: Yeah. I mean I and I can understand that when people think of independence, some of them automatically think that it's just people who don't care about politics Mm -hmm. whatsoever. and They're so unfazed by Mm -hmm. what's going on in their everyday lives and who's making policy. Mm -hmm. That's only a small fact that has been misproven. I mean, that's only a small subset Mm -hmm. of the independents who are self-proclaimed independents. Most of them are very politically active, however, they don't really have the space to do so.
1: Yeah, they're extremely left or extremely right, Right, you know, they they break the, the boundaries and that's their independence.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so some of the demographics of independents, mostly male, interesting.
1: Skews male. Skews male.
2: Skews male. I think the exact, or maybe approximate statistic was it was like 55% male or 51, 51 to 55% male. Very young. Gen Z, millennials. millennials. And uh, the majority of Gen Z and millennials both identify as independent. Boomers and the silent generation are gradually uh, shedding the label of independent so there's this whole trend where you're young you don't know what you're thinking i'm going to sway any way i want i'm a free thinker and it's kind of this whole like walk into adulthood you don't know what to do yet however that is not sticking i know a lot of people who i've talked to in my family or just in general they always tell me that i'll change my thinking when i'm older I'll I'll get out of that whole nonsense. Once you get a job. Once you get a job, once you live a little, uh, you will break out of that and you will pick a side and you'll stick with them. And that's going to be your cemented category throughout life. And they're saying that Gen Zers and Millennials aren't doing that. They're kind of sticking with the independent party and saying, no, I'm going to be my own thinker. I'm not going to commit myself to one party or the other, which is such an interesting trend.
3: I wouldn't say it's a real trend, just say they're independent to be, quote-unquote, trendy and with it.
2: Ooh, so you think it's just a fad?
3: It's a fad. Everyone wants to be independent because it's socially acceptable today. Pick a side. You know you have one. <laughs> wow. wow
1: Karen. Damn, Taryn. Don't you think there's also people who are upset with the rigid rigidity of the two-party system? And
3: um, when it all comes down to it and you're in the little voting booth, you're going to pick a candidate because... That's just how we operate here. You're gonna stay home and let the other guy win? The other guy hates the things that you love. Don't let the other guy do that.
2: Well, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, when it comes to voting time, they're gonna pick it because they know who they're gonna vote for already. I think it's that you're forced into a corner, and if you are not voting, you're seen as not doing your civic duty, and there's a big social stigma behind that. It's like, you you have to vote. It's not that everyone, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna speak for all independents, but I, I feel it's more just they're kind of forced to pick someone rather than picking someone out of their own merit.
1: Well, because there's that stigma that if you vote independent, you're throwing away your vote, right. and you're not going to help either party. So, let's say you're an independent who does lean left, or you're an independent who does lean right. You're Maybe if you don't think that a third party has the chance of winning, in the end, in the actual booth, mm-hmm. you're going to vote for whoever you think has the biggest chance of winning. Right. But Maybe we're seeing a trend that that could change in this new election, perhaps.
3: My beef is the people who say that they're independent, but they voted for Democrats since 2008, and conversely, Republicans and Independents who say, I'm, I don't associate, and it's one of those, you voted for every Republican candidate since 2000. You're not an independent. Right. Don't, don't be that guy. Well, I mean,
2: but you know, if we focus more on this coming generation, we don't have a lot of data Mm -hmm. back that up. Yeah, we're kind of an understudied generation when it comes to jumping into the political scene, obviously, because most of us just turned 18, like four, five, six years years ago. Yeah, Um, but I think we should take a look at as to why we are different from the boomers. Let's look at personality. Let's look at the rise of technology. I mean, Media. media is a giant part of this. We're more influenced by propaganda. However, we're more pushed to develop our own personality and traits. But that gets fuzzy because even in our own proclaimed independence, we are being forced into these subcategories, and we're kind of all group thinking as the same person rather than our own. Um, Our independence is a homogenous It's a homogenous, yes. Um, But that kind of doesn't make sense. If that was the case all the time, then there wouldn't be such a big independent party as there is now. Let's look at locus of
0: control, which I think is super interesting. Right, let's Let's talk about that.
2: um, Locus of control, for people who don't know, is do you think that More external influences are the deciding
1: force in your life, or is it more internal influences? Do you have control control? over your life, or does someone else have control over your life? Said it better.
2: (laughs) So, this is interesting. More Republicans have an internal locus of control, and more Democrats have an external locus of control. What they're finding with independents who are understudied, let me preface with that, is that they carry the external locus of control, so they think uh, government influences them more, these higher forces influence life more. Things that are out of their control, however, they or have more personality dimension, so they carry like all five traits of personality, which is uh, conscientiousness. Uh, you can look this up. I mean, I don't have it off the top of my head, but they, they, it's like divergent almost.
0: Oh, the five factions.
2: Yeah. So you that's know the that's the independent. That's the independent. And you know, they're external. And they're external. So it's like it's like they got the whole Best deal going. Yeah. We should write a book about this. Next Hunger Games, but
1: it's political parties and ideologies, almost like all those books are based off
2: of. Okay, moving on. So because of that, let's go into RFK, like, because sure. we have this obvious white space that needs to be filled. RFK is coming in mm-hmm. with these more centrist policies. We also have no labels, but let's focus on the guy later, who's first. the big
1: disruptor. Lo- no labels doesn't even have a candidate yet. Okay, so. so RFK started Democratic, but switched his bid into the third party as an independent. He was the nephew of former president John F. Kennedy, if you didn't know. Um, he studied he did, literature. like at the looks, I will say. He No, he got some of them. He's, hey. got, he's got
2: beautiful eyes.
3: He's Look. got exactly. beautiful blue eyes. His mother, he looks most like his mother, Ethel, but... He <laughs> his studied Ethel. his genealogy. Well, Ethel and Robert had 11 kids.
1: Wow. Catholic?
3: Yes, they're Irish Catholics.
2: Like
1: damn. Okay, I mean, anyways. He's, to back to the excuse me. He studied literature and American history at Harvard. He got his law degree from the greatest University of university all time. Of university of Virginia.
2: Can I get a wha wha? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs>
1: he's got it. Um, and then he got an environmental law degree from Pace University. He was an assistant district attorney in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and he's founded multiple organizations for environmental defense and one for children's health. And so, he has this campaign, his slogan is Declare your independence. So he's this independent party, he's perhaps having a more central view on topics. He's said some controversial things that I think the left might lean away from, but then he also has some things on, especially his, that he's campaigning for, like he's a big supporter of the middle class, he wants to raise the minimum wage, he, on his how campaign, much
2: higher can we have, can we raise it? I feel like. Well, I think 15. he wants to
1: make it fifteen nationally.
2: Isn't it fifteen? No. No.
1: no, it's seven twenty-five. Just in Virginia? Twelve job. in Virginia.
2: Huh. Yeah. That's so interesting. I guess uh-huh. I'm in my own bubble here at UVA. It's twelve in Virginia. No, at UVA all jobs get paid like fifteen. Oh yeah, UVA. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, um, moving
1: on. He wants to raise that because on his campaign website he talks about how people don't make enough money for basic human needs like transportation and food and education. And I think a lot of Americans feel that sentiment and I think whether or not you are leaning left or leaning right, a lot of people can agree that they don't make enough money and they'd <laughs> like to make more. I mean, everyone loves money. He's speculative about government control and government power. He's speculative about like big pharma and Things like that. He doesn't think we should be spending as much on the military. He doesn't think we're making our military any stronger with how much money we're putting into it. He wants to end imperial. Did projects. you know
2: that uh, the people, the amount of people who went to the um, U.S. military is astoundingly low this year? Really? Yes, it's actually kind of worrisome. Because um, they don't want. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, that might be reason as to why they kind of just included women into the draft, like, they're worried about the numbers, we're kind of fading. Anyway, you can continue. Sorry, my little interjection.
1: Oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, for healthcare, he says that we have a chronic disease epidemic, and a quote that I found fascinating from his campaign was, If I have not significantly dropped the level of chronic diseases in our children by the end of my first term, I do not want you to re-elect me. So, so how's he
2: planning on doing that? I don't
1: know. He didn't say. Nothing. He didn't say. That um, is attached to I think some of his more controversial claims, such as vaccines causing autism and herbicides causing sexual dysphoria and antidepressants being linked to school shootings. He's definitely very speculative about healthcare, and I think I think that's that's grounded in a lot of truth. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean
2: I mean not I'm not saying his more extreme you know, autism is in the fluoride we drink, Yes. but more so of the, we should be kind of hesitant about yeah. all of these big pharma. They, they pharma know things pharma. that they're probably not telling us, yeah. 100%. Call us conspiracy theorists. I think that's kind of a, a claim that most people can agree on. Call us conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Big pharma
1: loves money. Like, that's <laughs>
2: that's it, yeah. Healthcare's too expensive. He doesn't like that. What a guy.
1: What a guy. Jared,
2: anything to say about him? Yeah, RFK. Okay. You love this guy. You love the
3: Kennedys, and you're being quiet. I, I do love the Kennedys. I think you know, John F. Kennedy, one of our greatest presidents. You know, Robert F. Kennedy, one of our greatest attorney generals. Ted Kennedy was a <laughs> senator. <laughs> Pretty okay at that. <laughs> I just think that to boil RFK Jr.'s campaign down to conspiracies is not doing a fair and accurate deal. You know?
2: But he, one of his main things on the ground he stands on is... Are these conspiracy theories? I mean, he
3: always. I hate the word conspiracy. conspiracy. You know, I kind of
2: hate it too. It's an umbrella.
3: It was formulated by the federal government to go after those who disagreed with the official narrative. Ooh.
2: Mm. So it's like like legal censoring.
3: It's an ugly word. I prefer to say questioner. Mm.
1: Okay. He's questioning the.
3: You know, if Democrats are pro choice, Why doesn't that not extend
2: to vaccines?
3: I'm not saying I'm an anti-vaxxer, I'm just speculating.
2: Well, I agree on that as well. I feel like if we're going to stick with one, if you have control of your body, then that should be across all... It should be a sweeping thing. Yeah, it should be a sweeping thing. But yeah, I agree with you, Jared. I feel like boiling it down to him just being a conspiracy theorist, and that's what a lot of, I think, left-leaning voters do. And we saw that when we were interviewing people on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, and we said what about RFK they said he's a conspiracy theorist he's off his nut he's not grounded in reality and that totally um, takes away from the rest of his other mm-hmm. campaigning ideas that I feel hold
1: so much merit. Um, I think and- it's frustrating that if, when people say what do you think about RFK Jr. as a independent candidate and they say oh doesn't he think that vaccines cause autism and it's well, he also wants to protect the environmental infrastructure, and he wants to do police reform, and he wants to switch to rehabilitation and uh, prisons. prisons. Isn't
2: that like that'd be awesome, right? That'd but be it also awesome. you have to ask yourself: Is he just another politician promising? He is he just
1: another
3: politician he promising? He is not thing. just another politician. Those can you Kennedy's, can you put your hand
2: on the Bible and I swear can. that it doesn't have to be the
3: Bible? They mean what they say. They have always meant what they've said. Now that might just be me my lifelong love affair with those Irish Catholics, but...
2: Are you um, yourself an Irish
0: Catholic?
3: No. Oh. But I feel their pain. an affair. Mm. You, they all mean what they say. When, when JFK, he went out there in 1960 to the you know, West Virginia and he talked to the underprivileged, he meant what he said. When RFK did it in 1916, he talked to the marginalized African American community. RFK? Senior, of the dad. Oh. He uh-huh. meant what he said. I think RFK awesome. That's what he says.
2: Okay. Well, if, if we're sticking with this family trend, then maybe it's true. Maybe it's true.
1: So, well, joining us now, we have a special guest who we are going to be interviewing, the highly esteemed mm-hmm. Professor Carrie, Mary Mary Kate Carey. Mary-Kate Carey. She is actually the co-founder of our parent podcast, By
2: number one, senior.
1: We're bi-pod bi-pod is a Senior, we're bi-pod is a Junior. She is a former White House speechwriter for President George H.W. Bush. She has written over maybe a hundred of Bush's presidential addresses. addresses. Yeah, you, you say that. Word. Um, she's held many important positions like staffer, managing editor, columnist, and... Now she is an adjunct professor in the politics department at UVA, and we are greatly looking forward to hearing her wise takes on the current state of our two-party system and the viability of a third party, especially that of RFK's candidacy.
2: Well, hi, Professor Carey. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Um, today, we'll be talking about the viability of a third party coming into this current, uh, really tense election, 2024. And also, whether or not RFK can pull some votes and have a chance at this. We're going to start off with a warm-up question. And uh, this might be a little hard, considering we've had you know a great number of handsome men come into office. Who do you think is the most attractive president in the U.S. history?
0: In U.S. history? Maybe it's because RFK is on my mind today. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to have to go with his uncle. Uh, John Kennedy, but there's quite a few runners up who are easy he was the on the ice. Yeah. There's a lot of dashing men who were our president. I could give you some second choices, but I'd, I'd rather hear who <laughs> you guys think. Who do you
2: think? I feel like if we go, are we going when they were president or are we going oh, when they young were younger guys. too? Mm. That throws a twist Joe Biden in it. was a, Biden handsome was young a beautiful color. man.
1: I mean, I think Barack Obama holds his beauty. He, into his, mm-hmm. into his into his older years, older years yeah. and in his younger years, so I think I'm myself a fan of <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Barack Obama, Jared.
3: Well, you know, I have to go with the original male model, Mr. Gerald Ford, from the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah,
0: best athlete ever to be president. Big football guy. Big yeah. football guy. Big football guy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and you, Jules? <laughs> well, pretty boys always come first, I think. R or JFK. Uh um, look, like, I know it's a it's a cop out right? It's his thing. It's his thing. But he pulled Marilyn Monroe. He had your sure. Jackie, Jack, Jackie, Jackie Kennedy and she was always styling. Yeah. If he had I mean the evidence backs up my point. Yeah. If he had that many beautiful women after him, then he's obviously a very beautiful evidence.
3: Yes. Special runner up to Richard Nixon. <laughs> the widow speak, the, mm. the Richard the Nixon. I think mm, those Richard. Are very... You're into the
2: unconventional thing. Wow.
3: <laughs> just the looks he had a mob champion debater so, oh, it's too champion look debater, at.
1: spiritual beauty intellectual beauty all right okay all so. right let's <laughs> dive in okay. on, okay, <laughs> on that
2: note <laughs> um so we're gonna start with RFK he has a very complex political background he hails from a lineage of Democrats he's broken away from that and he's gotten a lot of criticism with his vaccine ideas, his ideology kind of leaning more towards a Republican standpoint, but he also has his fair share of ideas about the environmental policy, supporting the working man. Given this, which two of the major parties do you think he could steal votes from?
0: Well, uh, there was a recent survey from NPR PBS NewsHour last week that shows that he takes away more votes from Trump than from Biden now that he has left the Democratic Party. That was not true when he was still in the Democratic fold. And so once he, once he jumps in as an independent, this means that he no longer has to back out once the primaries are over on the Democratic side. So he can stay in all fall of 24 and keep chiseling away at both of them. But because of some of the policies he's espousing, he's gonna to have to make his case more, and that case is more likely to pull from Trump voters, uh, mostly because of his anti-vax positions, but he's also sort of a champion for the, the forgotten man and the little guy and that that type of voter is more likely to vote Republican right now. It used to be the little guy would vote Democratic, but that has uh, that has changed. So if yeah. he's seen as the man of the people, then he's more likely to take votes away control.
2: I feel like it's interesting to note, however, that a bunch of Democrat donors when the third party, when he announced his third party campaign had a meeting, I think it was the LinkedIn founder and a few other donors, they were talking about potential strategies, because this is a threat. But it was also talked about how Trump has such a kind of solid base. Mm -hmm. People who vote Trump are not really going to vote away. So why would it be that people who are voting for Trump kind of go
0: towards Kennedy? It could be that Trump gets in more trouble with these cases, Mm -hmm. uh, these court cases. I also think there's a good chance he's not going to be campaigning very much. I think a lot of the campaign donations are probably going to his legal fees, which I would think would make quite a few donors angry, especially smaller ticket donors. So there's all kinds of things that could still happen with Trump,
1: and that crowd could see RFK as plan B. Do you think that RFK's more controversial claims surrounding vaccines like... Vaccines causing autism and herbicides causing sexual dysphoria and Mm -hmm. things along those lines. Do you think those are a little harsher for the more left-leaning voter to come onto his side? Yes,
0: I think um, that there's a... uh, DeSantis said just in the last day or two that um, that he, RFK, is much more of an anti-Fauci candidate. And I think a lot of people on the left still are big fans of Fauci. Right. And so, if RFK is out there all the time complaining about Fauci, I think that's going to turn those voters away. You
3: know, we're, we're seeing this very interesting trend within the Democratic Party, and I guess nowadays the Republican Party, too. They're, they're threatened. I mm-hmm. guess that could be a nice, polite way to say it. And just earlier, I think, this week, uh, Nancy Pelosi spoke out against the... Yesterday? yesterday. Yes, yesterday. Yeah. yesterday yes. Yesterday, yes. We were, we were talking about yes. bring that. Bring this up. Week, yeah, bring this it up. Week, man, she's the most prominent democrat to really speak out against the no labels mm-hmm. movement to find a nice centrist candidate who can appeal to everyone and do you think professor that any of these tactics are going to increase as we get closer to 2024 or are they going to kind of fizzle out over uh, the candidates
0: a lot of it depends on what happens with trump in the um, court cases and how much he's campaigning and how much he's out there a lot of it depends on how biden's health is and how much campaigning he does, and uh, there's there's definitely a movement to try to get Kamala Harris off the ticket, mm. and if that happens, that could throw um, the whole thing into craziness. But there's still a lot of things that could go haywire, and then and then you've got the whole you know Republican primaries coming. You know, Biden is not even on the New Hampshire ballot because he wants to start in South Carolina, um, so he. By the way, Biden did not win New Hampshire or Iowa last time, and that could happen again too, and that could be the beginning of the end of that campaign in terms of perceptions of an an incumbent. Uh, But as far as the right goes, I think that the no labels, it depends on who they put at the top. If they put a Democrat at the top or if they put a Republican at the top, it's going to really affect how each party views uh, the no labels movement. Now, they're saying that they're not going to name any candidates until they know they have a chance of winning. No Labels has a platform, for lack of a better word, that they put out called Common Sense. You can get it on the Internet. I would totally recommend it to your listeners because it's got 30, in the old days we would call them planks of the platform, and they are written in such a way that it is difficult to disagree with any of them. So... Um, uh, so, public safety, here's an example, all three in a row. Public safety is the highest priority. We need to fix the criminal justice system so career com- criminals can't keep committing crimes. That's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, second one is America needs more and better community policing to keep people safe. And the third is Americans have a constitutional right to own guns, but society also has a responsibility to keep dangerous weapons away from dangerous people. See what I mean? It's kind of hard to disagree. They they acknowledge both sides. I, most love, of them... I love
3: the intentional vagueness. No, see exactly. It. But I feel like they're saying like
0: a lot of "we need to" and not a lot of "how." Going exactly. To. And that's well, how then so you to... go. Sorry, that's just like the table of contents, and then you turn to each page, oh. and it's got oh. a page or two on each one, and what legislation okay. they would do, and you know how they would how they would flesh it all out. Intentional so vagueness, just, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least in the titles. Uh huh. Um, but when but I, I give them. You know they're not throwing bombs, and they're not. They're trying to unify people. They're trying to talk about the values Mm -hmm. that we all hold dear, and that is part of you know building a strong democracy is talking about the values that people want to hear. Now, some of the values, if you look at sort of moral foundations theory, some values uh, resonate more with one side of the aisle and some with others. Mm -hmm. But the one that crosses across all is liberty, Mm -hmm. and both sides can agree when you couch your arguments in terms of liberty, uh, both sides start nodding their heads. So I bet there's a lot of liberty
2: in this. Well, what I think is a bit concerning is that the knee-jerk reaction when people read stuff like that, saying, we need to do this, and they go mm-hmm. into a broad statement, they immediately label it as being a defense writer. Um, and mm-hmm. there's kind of this societal push to, you have to stand like, very strongly on one idea and you have to die with it, you know, mm-hmm. stick your stake in the ground and leave it there. Do you see any change in that, or do you think people are going to become more cemented in their ideology?
0: I think it's uh, kind of a, a, a phenomenon of our times right now mm-hmm. and that what you're talking about, certainly uh, social media totally rewards that as does cable news. But uh, if I do this in my class all the time, I show them the latest Pew and Gallup polling. and you they, every year, every month, they ask people how do you self-identify politically? And it's pretty stable that somewhere around a quarter, 25, 30 percent, of the electorate says they are democratic slash liberal another quarter says i'm republican conservative and then you've got 50 percent in the middle who says i'm independent and so to just whip up your own base is not going to win an election mm. you've got to figure out how you're going to get some of those people in the middle to come over and that's where this that's that strategy is what you're seeing at no labels is how you get those people to come to one side
1: but then I feel we also see those fifty percent saying they're independent. But when it actually comes down to voting time, we never see that fifty percent. It seems like they disperse into yes. The so parties. there's a common fallacy that independent means moderate yeah. and that
0: or centrist, and that's not necessarily true. Some of the independents, it's because the Democratic Party is not liberal enough, right. and the and the Republicans are not conservative enough. Right. So there's all kinds of mix of people in the independence. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, the more sophisticated polling will be independent slash lean left, lean right, you know, yeah. whatever. And
3: there's a lot of nuance in the middle there.
1: We have trouble compromising as <laughs> a yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Do you feel that the, I guess, metaphorical bedwetting from the two major parties it's over bedwetting. the thought about, it's, it's bedwetting. It's a lot of just, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. Is really caused from bad memories. Americans periodically take a chance on a third-party candidate. We think of Ross Perot in 1992. Mm-hmm. I was this, there for that one. Yeah, and Republicans. Yeah, that was before us. <laughs> <laughs> and Republicans to this day will still say that he is the reason why Bill Clinton became president. I completely agree with that. And eight years later, we have Ralph Nader in 2000, and yep. there are people who say that he is the reason why we never had President Gore and flying cars and completely well, correct. So, do you think that's just The past is too much of a prologue here that it's scaring people.
2: Well, can I ask, Claire, like, are you saying that our third party is always going to be a spoiler and that's why people are afraid to vote?
3: Well, not so much people, but the thought of them being a spoiler is making the two major parties even more afraid. Mm. Yes, because
0: they have the most to lose. And and they have, over the last 200 years of this country, uh, done a very good job of nailing down uh, the, the control of the primary process, uh, who gets on what ballot in what state, how the money is raised, all that kind of stuff. And so for for a third party to succeed, they have to go up against both of those gigantic walls from the DNC and the RNC. And, and so that's why those two entities are very vested in making sure a third party does not succeed, which explains why Nancy Pelosi had a press conference yesterday and her head exploded about no labels. And so. Uh, so I definitely think. Well, let me show you the latest. The latest uh, Real Clear Politics average of all the polls, which they put out every day, is um, the average is Trump 39%, Biden 36%, which I uh, can tell that most of these are within just outside of the sample of um, margin of error. Kennedy is just under 17% right now, and yet you only have Biden and Trump three percent away from each other. So 16% can throw both of those races into turmoil. So that's why they're so threatened by this, and with good reason. I, I agree. No labels put out a memo about three or four days ago, and I read through it, and they have very good evidence that they put forth that Americans are more open to a third party now than they've ever been before. And the number of people, at least in my own life, I'd be curious to hear what you guys I I don't think I know anybody who wants either one of these guys to be president. Both sides are are, are not acceptable to so many people I know. And that tells me there's room for no labels and people like that coming in because nobody wants either one of these guys that I, anecdotally, and the polls, the polls are showing it's not a majority.
2: Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I feel like a lot of people in the older generations, not necessarily uh, millennials or Gen Zers, maybe more gen x mm-hmm. I, are you gen x no I'm, a, I'm
0: at the tail end of the boomers oh yeah interesting
2: fun fact. i'm older
0: than you guys think i am
2: um, <laughs> hey, you're aging you. well Go Go so beautiful. You. <laughs> um but a lot of the things that i've been seeing this is my own experience living in more of a conservative town um is that they say i'll vote republican and i'll never vote democrat again um so it's kind of this i'll never do this again so mm-hmm. if there is potentially a candidate that No Labels puts out um, that has been historically Democrat or, for example, Kennedy. I mean, he's the most moderate Democrat, I would say, who's on the ballot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would still say, well, he was a Democrat and mm-hmm. he still has these Democrat tendencies. Uh, no, he's tenancies. got the name. He's got he's the got name. 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 So and there's a
3: certain crowd that doesn't know his policies and just sees the name. Just sees the name. And it's like,
2: oh, uh, on, Kennedy! Minute, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Yeah. It was such a wonderful time. I, for one, would welcome a return to Kennedy.
0: <laughs> well, we were the ones who voted that
2: his uncle was the handsomest. So we got him. Yeah, so, we, yeah, we did. We, we, we said Nixon. Hey, uh, 1960
3: Nixon music is how we get Camelot. That's true. And Gerald Ford is why we eventually get Ted Kennedy in 1980 because Jimmy Carter just Complex wasn't getting the good analogy done. here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I represent the small, very small fringe minority of people who actually looks forward to a H- Trump v. Biden rematch. Really? Biden. Let's hear
2: about
3: that. I look forward because they are the strongest candidates that their respective parties have to offer if biden wasn't on the top of the ticket that let's say kamala harris was there republicans could just steamroll right to the right to victory you, really, you don't think republicans could just slam i mean
2: joe biden is not necessarily the strongest candidate there is i feel like if they democrats had someone to put all of their support behind that's going to be the strongest candidate i don't necessarily think biden is the you know uh Captain America. I was like, here do, do you think
0: Trump could beat Gavin Newsom if Biden were to withdraw? Which could still happen."
3: I think he could because you could have one very simple look at what Governor Newsom has done in California. Republican opposition research will just pull out the very worst that mm-hmm. we've seen from the Golden State. No offense to our listeners in California; it's a lovely state, but well, they'll <laughs> have the videos of San Francisco and all of the chaos there, and. It's a very real possibility Trump could still win, but conversely for Republicans, if Trump's not on the ballot, they might as well just go home. So I've
0: got, I've got an argument to bounce off you. If if Trump were not the nominee, and let's say it was Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, I think, could beat Biden in the general. The problem right now is she can't win the primary because Trump's in the way. Mm. But if she were to win the nomination, the polling shows that she would beat Biden right now. Really? Meanwhile. Biden, if he was uh, not in charge anymore, and you had Gavin Newsom, I would say Gavin Newsom could beat Trump. Right? Because younger voters would go for Gavin Newsom mm-hmm. over Trump. So the argument is that both Biden and Trump need each other more than the rest of us. Either one of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. because They're the one guy that the other one thinks they could beat.
1: Do you think DeSantis could beat Biden?
0: I think DeSantis is going down in the poles. I, okay. I, I think the blue is off the road there. Haley's going up in the poles. Okay. Well, DeSantis uncharismatic, you know. He lost yeah. me
3: when I found out that he wears, possibly, wears wears heels in his cowboy boots. I, I saw that theory, right? He sorry. wears
2: the little boosters oh, okay. in his shoes. Yeah. Well, that's easy for you because you're tall. <laughs>
1: I think you have tall
2: privilege right now. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Really exhibiting yeah. that. You don't ever think that he might be a one secure when he's standing up there at the I'm podium? S- Never all, think about anyone but yourself. All hard, uh, very people.
3: But just to kind of go back to what you said about Nikki Haley. Do you think that the diehard Trump supporters, the, the real backbone of the Make America Great Again movement, would come out for Nikki Haley, someone who said that Trump was responsible for January 6th and then took it back a few weeks later?
0: I um, think probably not, but I think that there is, a, not the entire base, but I think there is a part of the Trump base that is malleable. And, um, and I, I do think she would win far more independent voters than either DeSantis or Trump would.
2: Well, that begs the question why wouldn't she pull a Kennedy? And just run for
0: it, you That's know the, de- the Republican independent. You know you're the first person I've heard argue that. I think that is a fascinating idea. Maybe she would. Huh. But I guess I guess part of it is how
3: do you get on the ballot? You know it's the same yeah. problem. to
2: hear that. Nikki <laughs> Haley, fourth party. Fourth party. <laughs> fourth party. <laughs> you can do it.
3: It would be fifth because we have Cornel West. He's also. Oh, out oh yeah, no, about him. him.
2: Okay, he's, fifth
0: party. He's at uh, four point three percent. Well, I, okay. I forgot to him
3: earlier. The real clay politics <laughs> average. That's enough to swing.
2: Yeah so i i feel like we're kind of going on to like the end of this uh or do you have no no okay well what do you think could be the catalyst for people to start moving towards a third party is it uh the electoral college kind of uh being reformed or is it a societal movement what do you think is necessary for people to say screw it i'm i'm totally done with this i'm i'm sick of this Mm. dichotomous uh uh standard and i'm going to move towards
0: Third party. Perhaps America. a proletarian revolution. There you go. Class um, war? Class <laughs> war, <laughs> maybe? <laughs> but, um, I, I think the more entrenched it is of Biden versus Trump, the, the stronger they stay where they are, I mean, the longer they stay where they are in the polls, I think there can be more people saying, is this really going to happen? Come on. And, uh, you know, I've written in people before when I've voted, I think a lot of people would be up for. There's got to be some other choice here. Can I, who can I write in? What can I do here? And uh, if but if like we were talking about, if either scenario plays out where one of the other of these two has to drop out or is you know having issues, uh, then I don't think those guys. I don't think uh, Robert Kennedy has as much of a chance. If it's Biden versus Trump, the longer that stays in play, I think that's where his numbers go up. Alright,
2: well thank you so much for being on we'll with we'll us tonight. Yeah, we'll see sure what fine. happens.
0: <laughs> Mary
2: Kay carrying president. Kate Carey. <laughs> yeah. party. That was like super interesting. She gave us a lot of takes. I think she's very Yeah, ins- thank you to her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I feel like something we could touch a lot on and that we didn't really get into much um in the interview portion of this segment was what is preventing a third party from prevailing and she mentioned that it was kind of because they're being crowded out from the two bigger sides and I can agree with that but what mm-hmm. would help with that and one of the thing people, one of the things people have pointed to is our current way of voting which is the electoral college and that it's only natural for two big sides to come out of that and crowd a third party because when you're trying to swing states it's not a matter of putting in this, it's two big, giant power centers that are fighting for the winning side, or fighting for the winning position. So would us eliminating the Electoral College help with that, or would it promote more
1: mob voting, or? I personally think the Electoral College is suffocating to democracy. I'm one of those who thinks that democracy is in danger. And I think when I think democracy, I think the people vote and the people choose their president. And we've had multiple cases where the popular vote has not been what's elected the president and it's been the electoral college. And I think that that goes against the fundamental principles of what democracy is. And I don't think that's good. And I think with these, the suffocation that the electoral college does, it's hard for there to be anything but two parties. It already makes it hard for the two parties, for one party to succeed over the other the people's vote isn't being heard, and if the people's vote isn't being heard with the two biggest parties, how is it going to be heard with a third, smaller party? Well, an argument I've heard
2: in favor of the Electoral College is that it does keep in the little guys' vote. Because if we just had all of the cities deciding our votes, and the sheer number of people who are more influenced by the ones around them, so we're going to have more mob thinking in these giant populous areas, Um, Versus the people in the south and how they're more dispersed and that there's not a uh, ton of, like, the population's low and so they they wouldn't be heard as much Mm -hmm. at all. They wouldn't be heard at all. So to put someone else's vote above theirs, it's kind of weighing theirs more than the others. Well, I think it's important to, like, dive into this because, like, this is a preventative measure for the third party system. So, like, if we did go straight to a direct democracy, would third parties be able to breathe? Yeah, probably not. Or is is it just the way things are? Are humans naturally inclined to go one side or the other?
1: Yeah.
2: You're either in the in-group or the out-group. Mm-hmm. So, is it a problem within ourselves? Is it human nature to only be on one side or the other? Interesting. I
1: don't know. Is I don't it know. human nature to lean away from a third choice when there's two... Bigger choices in front of you? It might be. I, and I think we
2: should do more research on that. It'd be interesting to would be interesting to look at.
1: But Well what she said very astutely was that what well, we heard Nancy Pelosi take the stand and kind of try to bash. Why are we listening to Nancy Pelosi didn't her
2: husband get a DUI? Did <clears throat> she buy him a driver? I, I don't <laughs> understand. Didn't she get in trouble for getting her She's hair cut? She's not her husband's keeper. She got her hair cut during COVID, got pissed Did off. Did she about do that? Him?
3: Said it was a setup.
2: She said that they set me up. You're not supposed to get set up. Because that's when everything was locked down. Right. And she was like, Oh, this was a setup. I was just getting my hair done. Um, when she locked down the rest of the American public. Right. Oh um, Nikki. Oh not Nikki. I keep thinking about Nikki Haley. I called her Nikki Haley, too. Nikki Oops. big Nikki Haley stand. Sorry she's on my mind. But yeah, I mean obviously we're gonna see. I don't understand why there's not more of a push against RFK anymore. Because they when he was part of the Democrat race. People were like writing him off, they wouldn't give him a platform to speak on, and now that he's third party, we're not seeing as much of that pushback, and I wonder why. Like, are you saying, why is
1: Nancy Pelosi pushing more against No Labels? No Labels labels rather than RFK? No Labels doesn't even have... A candidate. A candidate. Maybe because No Labels is more of that true middle ground, and she's scared that that will hurt Biden more than RFK will, because RFK will potentially take more votes from Trump than Biden, but... Mm -hmm. I think
3: that's interesting. Well, I just think that they push back more on Arvind RF, on Arvind he was in in the Democratic primary because Joe Biden is the golden goose. He is the only Democrat who can win. It's the same argument he made in 2019. It's the during the Democratic primary then. It's the argument he's making today. You take Joe out the picture, Kamala. You know she can't get the job.
2: Mm. Mm. anti-Kamala I'm
3: not a Kamala Harris person, but feel free to push back on that, but um, that's <laughs> the, the idea, he's the only one with the chance to win and anyone who dares harm the golden goose will be faced with severe retribution but now that RFK is, Jr. has gone off into the independent fold, they feel, they feel that he can hurt Trump and that, they're okay with that, Democrats are okay with that that doesn't affect them
1: it's just—it's frustrating that it seems like they're playing the game more than actually caring about what the people think. About well, that's politics. Their
2: policies. That's I know. Politics. I
3: know,
2: but... Everyone just plays a game. It's all an elaborate scheme. Uh, the American public screwed. And um... chocolate, chocolate chip. Chocolate, chocolate chip. It's
3: not all that bad. I mean, the rematch <laughs> is going to be great. I No. Think, um, no. I, I believe if we just accept this now, we can no, start. Oh, when I accept it. Twenty twenty-eight. You're a sheep.
2: It's going to be a great election cycle 2028. All right. Heard it here. Heard it here. 2028. 2028 is the one you look for. Now the train's coming. All right. All right. Thank you, for listening. Uh, time for us to sign off. Ask
0: not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your you up,
1: country. Hush up, boy. I
2: did not have sexual relations with that woman.
1: Boom. These explosions of
0: bullshit. You're gonna be the next president of the United States.